0: to Abundant Life Church. My name is David and I'm the pastor of groups here at ALC. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We're going to be continuing a series that we've been in for a few weeks now called Being and Bearing. We're taking uh, this summer to walk through each of what are called the Fruit of of the spirit. You may be familiar it comes from the uh, the letter to the church in Galatia. We refer to it as Galatians. In chapter 5 it says this starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, we've talked about joy. We've talked about love. Today, we are talking about peace. So if you're following along with me, if you have a Bible or an app with you, I'm going to be in James chapter 3 a bit later on, and you can join me there. Well, peace is such a common concept. When we bring up that word, it's, it's like, do we even need to talk about what that means? It, it's just so common to us. We, we know the definition. We know what it means to us. You may even have some images come to mind, right? Maybe you think of a dove, right? This is often used in contrast to like an eagle or a hawk that's a little bit more, um, aggressive. Maybe we see that more in wartime, but, but the dove is the symbol of peace. Right, we 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 think of this peaceful bird, maybe with a little olive branch in its mouth. That nice picture. Uh, we also have a hand sign, right? Peace. Uh, some people from my generation might say "peace out," right? We have the the hand symbol that means peace. Uh, we also have a, a shortcut on most of our keyboards that literally types a little peace symbol uh, that is just kind of universally recognized. This means peace. You may also uh, have some common phrases that come to mind. If you're uh, from the 60s or 70s, uh, you may think of peace and love, right? That's kind of a loaded statement. It's a little bit more than just peace and just love, but, but, but so common to hear this uh, idea of peace and love. Uh, we've heard and seen uh, commercials for home security systems that promise what? Peace of mind. Right, you can go on vacation, you can go to work, you can do whatever, because your home is secure, you can have peace of mind. No worries about your stuff. And then of course, there's the famous promise of every beauty pageant contestant.
1: I would have to say world peace. Definitely world peace. That's easy. World peace. World peace. What is the one most important thing our society needs. That would be harsher punishment for a parole violators, Stan.
2: And world peace. Uh.
0: So we have these, these ideas, these concepts of what peace is, what we've seen and what we've heard. And, and what do we really mean when we're talking about the fruit of peace, right? Is it world peace like they were talking about? Is it this peace of mind? Is it peace and love? Maybe all of these images and, and ideas almost get there. But I would say they don't quite get to what we are talking about today. When Pastor Aaron Baker opened this series, she shared from John chapter 14. This is a portion of scripture that recalls Jesus talking to his disciples about his upcoming arrest, execution, and then what would come next. It says this in verse 25. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind, there it is, and of heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. See, this is a different kind of Of peace, a peace the world cannot give, cannot supply. Yes, it involves peace of mind. Maybe it involves a lack of conflict, a lack of fear, but it's so much more than that. It's a kind of peace that we come to know and we come to understand as we follow Jesus, right? As we get to know this person who is Jesus and as we hear the stories of others as they have followed Jesus. And with that in mind, uh, I I want us all to hear a bit of uh, Kathy Newberry's story. Kathy is one of our incredible life group leaders and just an awesome part of our church family. And she has an awesome story to share. Please listen. Listen.
1: my favorite Latin American authors, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, wrote a book entitled Amor en los Tiempos de Colera, Love in the Time of Cholera. During this time of suffering with coronavirus, another plague destroying many lives today throughout the world, I was prompted over a year ago to put down some of my thoughts about things that I've gone through with multiple sclerosis in my life. First of all, Every person on this planet Earth has their own story and experience that can relate on one uh, level or another um, to aspects of my story. Most of us are experiencing our own forms of suffering, be it trauma, mental or physical pain, financial insecurity, loss, or a myriad of other issues. Thirty-nine years ago, in 1982, I had my first symptoms of MS. I was not officially diagnosed with the disease until 1994 when the MRI made the diagnosis possible and I had insurance to cover the procedure. During the 12 years from the onset of the diagnosis, I experienced many ups and downs emotionally. Through the Though the initial symptoms were very annoying but not debilitating, I knew that my relationship with the Lord would carry me through and that through Jesus Christ was the power to heal my body. And I prayed, and lots of people prayed for me, and I was as normal as I could be again, and I assumed it was because I had been healed. Within a few years, symptoms reappeared. By the year 2000, after using a number of disease-modifying drugs, the course of my disease still continued onward to the diagnosis of secondary MS, I began using a power chair in 2008 and I was unable, as I was unable to walk anymore, suffering from partial paralysis. Having, if I had had new modern drugs available early on, possibly they would have altered the uh, progression of my disease. So, was it my lack of faith that prevented my healing? I am convinced through my study of Scripture that God can and does heal. I also know that times he does not. The Apostle Paul prayed three times to have an affliction removed in 2 Corinthians, but the Lord told him, My strength is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Having been raised in Catholicism, I learned much about the sufferings of Christ. In the evangelical Protestant church as an adult, I didn't hear much about the sufferings of Christ. No one likes to suffer, and doesn't Scripture teach that God is good and can move mountains and works all things together for our good? Yes, and that's all true, but taken out of context, all Scripture can be used to justify most anything we want it to. But when studied in context, one realizes that God molds and shapes us not for our glory, but for His while ultimately benefiting us. The coolest thing is that in the process, we are changed and really do receive comfort, providence, power, and peace, especially peace. So many things I have learned through this process. As a young follower of Jesus, I would read Philippians 4 verses 4 through 7. They say, rejoice in the Lord again, Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How can I rejoice in all things when not all of them seemed very good? and be thankful, and experience peace. Though there is much I don't understand, I am learning new things every day. Here are some of the things I know. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. I am being changed through my struggles. I learn to depend on God and others when my culture tells me I can do it all by myself. Suffering is part of the blessing as it teaches us how we can comfort others. Suffering teaches us reliance on God. Suffering is the means to a unique sharing experience with Jesus. There are parts of Jesus we will never know apart from suffering. The comfort of Jesus passed us through suffering, producing peace. Until I retired six years ago, I had the privilege of teaching high school Spanish. As a teacher of the advanced classes, I had many native Spanish speakers in my classes from cultures where typically disabled people are cloistered away from society. I was uniquely blessed with the capabilities of showing them that through our weaknesses, we are strong. I recognize that I am privileged to live in a society where people with disabilities are for the most part respected, and for this, I am eternally grateful as it has allowed me to participate in life. Often I have to revisit what I have written in this reflection as I deal with suffering. You have your own battles and struggles. I encourage you to seek the face of Jesus. He will hold us if we ask him to, and if we seek his will, and he will provide the peace that is promised in Philippians. One of the songs that encourages me is a song written by Matt Redman. The lyrics to the song You Never Let Go are, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, of whom then shall I fear. Oh no, you never let go, through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go, in every high and in every low. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. In closing, I acknowledge that everything I have said and may not make sense to one who does not walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, but to the one who does,
0: it makes all the difference. I, I just love Kathy's story. I love how in the midst of uh, setbacks, in the midst of pain, in the midst of uncertainty, she has clung to the peace of Christ. This persistent peace that has carried her through uh, these seasons to the point that she is actually closer to Jesus in the midst of struggle. Right? If you know Kathy, you know that that there are good days and there are much harder days. And a lot of you probably resonate with that. But what's incredible about uh, just interacting with a person like Kathy is that those interactions are filled with peace and calm because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within her and the relationship that she has with Jesus. And she would be the first to tell you that as well. Now, as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's so important for us to remember that these, these gifts are reflected and exhibited in our lives, but they don't come from us, right? This isn't the fruit of Kathy or the fruit of David or Bill or Susan. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We just read in John chapter 14 about Jesus' representative, the Holy Spirit coming as a gift For the church as a gift for those who follow him. And what accompanies the spirit? The gift of peace. That's the difference between these popular ideas of peace, world peace, peace and love, uh, peace of mind, and the peace that's promised by Jesus. We don't produce this peace. It doesn't come from us. Rather, it flows through us. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. One of the beautiful things about that, about this whole idea, is that the fruit, right, this gift of peace is not dependent on, one, us, and two, our circumstances or the environment around us. I think too often we fall into the trap of thinking, man, once this project is done, then I can experience some peace. Or I'll experience peace once this person is done bothering me. Right, we we set up these expectations of I can have peace if the things around me change. Right, if these circumstances change, if these people change, then I can know peace. And without being careful, we start to believe that peace comes from our environment or our circumstances rather than from within us. There's an old short story by an unknown author that I I would like to share with you today. It's called The Real Meaning of Peace. It goes like this. There was a a king who offered a prize to all of the artists in the kingdom. The challenge was to create a picture, an image of true peace. And the prize was so grand that artists from, from all around the kingdom submitted their work did their very best to encapsulate this idea of peace in a painting. And the king looked at all of these submissions, uh, everything that had been turned in, and ended up with two finalists, right? Two final pieces. It had come down to that. And decided to to call the people of, of his court in to look at these two final pieces. He uncovered the first And it was a a picture of a beautiful lake, so still that it reflected the mountains behind it like a mirror. And the skies above were equally as calm with just little tufts of cloud. And the people were in awe, thinking this is the picture of peace. Then the king unveiled the second picture and and just a a gasp (laughs) fell over the the crowd. Just this, this surprise, maybe even a little bit of confusion. You see this image, this painting had a mountain as well, but it was rugged and bare. And the skies above were not calm, but were noisy. With rain pouring down, with lightning spitting out, And in place of a lake, there was a large waterfall just crashing and spraying off of the rocks. And then if one looks closely, they could see in the very middle of the picture, in a crack in the rock, there was a bush growing out. And on that bush, a mother bird had made its nest and was calmly covering its eggs. Which picture do you think won the prize? To many people's surprise, the king chose the second picture. People asked why. Because, explained the king. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart that is the real meaning of peace you see it's not dependent on our circumstances the noises around us that would be putting too much pressure on ourselves and the world around us to be crafted towards our own comfort to be catered to our own Stillness, And we just know that isn't the reality of the world that we live in. Rather, Jesus offers us the Holy Spirit, right? His very self, right, as a part of the Trinity, as a part of God, the presence of God inside us called the Holy Spirit to empower us to experience peace in the midst of noise. So if peace comes from the Holy Spirit and not from my circumstances, I'm off the hook, right? Like I can just sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to give me some peace. And then if, uh, further, if I don't experience peace, then the Holy Spirit is just not doing its job, right? Is there like some customer service line I can call? Like what's going on here, God? This is the, that gift of peace. Well, not quite. See, as I said before, this peace doesn't come from you. It flows through you. It's reflected. It's demonstrated in your life. The Holy Spirit empowers us. It does not control us. As with love and joy and those other fruits that we'll discuss, peace is an expression of us being aligned in alignment with the ways of God. Peace is an expression of us being in alignment with the ways of God. It's a recognition that God is peaceful, that Jesus is peaceful. And that first decision is to say, well, where am I going to fit in that? Do I want to be like Jesus? And if I say I want to be like Jesus, which I do, then we have a second choice to make, and that's to align our actions and align our attitudes with that reality, right, with the peace that's exhibited in Jesus and that desire that I want to be like Jesus. It's a beautiful combination of of our choices and God's presence within us, right? God is like this. Jesus is like this. I want to be like That, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to make choices and to shift our attitudes to align with that reality. So what are those actions, right? What are those attitudes? That's where we come to our text for today. If you're with me in James chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil, of every kind. Remember John 14? The peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. The peace that Jesus offers to the Holy Spirit is is stillness in the midst of noise. What James is describing here is the opposite, right? Being bitterly jealous with selfish ambition. Covering up the truth with boasting and lies. See, rather than stillness in the midst of noise, this is pretending everything is okay on the outside when there's chaos on the inside. And this is really the water that we swim in. This is normal for us. I get so frustrated sometimes with the ways that we greet one another. Those, those common phrases like, how you doing? Or how's it going? Right, I think why would you put me on the spot like that? <laughs> like my answer is a little bit complicated. I think most most commonly our answer is I'm okay or I'm good or I'm fine. Why? Because that's kind of the right combination of uh, honest maybe <laughs> and quick. <laughs> right? It's 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 this vague answer. Where I don't have to be super honest with you right now so I can just get along with my day, you can get along with your day because I think if I were to answer honestly, Most days, my answer would be you and I do not have time for me to answer how am I doing today, right? That's a longer conversation, right? We don't have time and really we don't offer one another the vulnerability to be able to answer questions like that. Our tendency is to cover up or to brush over. The most encouraging thing about this passage is the instruction not to cover up. Don't cover up. If you're struggling with bitterness or jealousy or selfishness, bring it into the light. Talk about it. Don't hide it. Don't pretend everything is okay when it's not. God's peace is not turmoil disguised as stillness. It's calm in the midst of a storm. I think some of you might need to hear that again. God's peace is not turmoil disguised as stillness. It's calm in the midst of a storm. Let's keep reading in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. See, many of us know of 1 Corinthians 13 as the love passage, right? We see it printed everywhere. Well, if if that's true, then I believe that James 3 is the wisdom passage, right? It talks about what wisdom is in this series series. So what is wisdom? First of all, it's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. And finally, it's sincere. And what's incredible about each of these things is that they can be practiced. They can be expressed even in the midst of a storm. They're not dependent on circumstances outside of ourselves. They're they're dependent on our recognition of Jesus and our response in both our attitudes and our actions. We can be pure and sincere about what's really happening rather than putting on a nice face and covering up. We can strive for peace. We can be gentle with others and willing to yield when it's appropriate. We can be merciful and continue to do good for others. None of that is determined by our circumstances, determined by our view of Jesus, our desire to be like him, and then our attitudes and our actions that are in alignment with that desire. Do we recognize that Jesus is pure peace-loving, gentle, yielding, full of mercy, sincere. Do we really desire to be like Jesus in those ways? And if the answer to both of those things is yes, do our actions and our attitudes align with that reality and that desire? The amazing thing is that through every step of the process, the Holy Spirit is empowering us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to recognize the truths of Jesus, what Jesus's peace really looks like, what Jesus' wisdom really looks like. The Holy Spirit drives our desire to be like Jesus. It amplifies it. The Holy Spirit empowers us to, to make decisions about our attitudes and our actions, to change the way we're living, to align with that desire. The Holy Spirit is with us, within us, all along. If you're like me, it takes effort, like concerted effort, to first recognize the peace of Jesus, this distinct peace that isn't imposed from the outside, but but is inspired from within. And then second, to adjust those actions and attitudes to align with that peace. We have to recognize that often life just doesn't slow down for us to go through that process. Those of you with grown children know that as as babies become kids and kids become teenagers and teenagers become adults, things don't get easier. A lot of times they don't even get less complicated, right? There's new challenges and stresses with every season. Those of you who are retired, Know that a new job doesn't just fix everything. Know that as we progress through our careers, we need to constantly adjust. We need to constantly grow and overcome the challenges around us. See, for most of us, life just doesn't calm down and it doesn't get less complicated. So we need to teach ourselves, train ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit to experience the peace of Jesus. Today, I've invited Trina Vischer to lead us in a meditative prayer. Trina is a part of our ALC staff, and she is passionate about wellness, not just physical wellness, but but emotional wellness, uh, spiritual wellness, mental wellness. And this may be a new form of prayer for you, this meditative prayer, but I encourage you to just participate today. Just just try and experience uh, this this new thing, this meditative prayer. It's only five minutes. And and if you resonate with this prayer, if, if you're sitting like, man, this is a really unique way to, to engage with Jesus. I think I like that. I think that really connects with me. Uh, that's awesome. And I hope that you're able to incorporate that in your own personal time uh, of prayer, uh, connecting with Jesus. But if we finish and you're like, well, that was okay, but... Not really my thing. That's awesome too. I appreciate you just stepping in and trying something new. Not all of us are going to connect in the same way or resonate in the same way. That's the beautiful thing. We're made differently. But it is so healthy for us to discover new and fresh ways to connect with God through prayer. Now, the point of this form of prayer is to just be completely present with God. First to be aware of our bodies, our posture, our breath, and then to be aware of just our thoughts so that we can set aside just any distractions just with our our physical body or our thoughts. We can set those aside and give space for the Holy Spirit to just stir something within us. I promise you, you won't be lost. Trina will give instructions the whole time. And I encourage you, just Give yourself space in your seat, whether you're at a campus or at home. Uh, Just make sure that you're comfortable for the next five minutes, whatever that looks like for you. And feel free to keep your eyes open or to keep your eyes closed, whatever is the most helpful for you to focus and participate. But most of all, I encourage you to take this time to just become more aware, become more familiar with the peace of Jesus.
2: Begin with your breath. Take a breath in. Take a breath out. Again, breathe in. Breathe out. Notice this beautiful breath God has given you. Follow your breath as it fills up your lungs and notice as it travels from your body. Remain here for a moment. Breathing in, breathing out. Begin to shift your attention to your body. From the top of your head to your feet that rest on the floor, begin to create space. Begin to relax. Start to relax from the top of your head down to your forehead. Relax the muscles in your face, your eyelids, neck, and jaw. Soften the muscles in your shoulders, arms, and down to your fingers. Unclench your hands and allow them to be open, to receive something new in this space. Relax the muscles of your back, your legs, down to your feet. Let every part of your body soften. Rest here. Take a breath in. Take a breath out. Begin to take notice of your thoughts exactly as you are. Observe. Now begin to make your mind clear, pure, and free from all thoughts. Imagine you are sitting in a vast open space, a space full of freedom and peacefulness. Illuminate this space with light. Allow this space to flood you with love, joy, and peace. Sit in this space. Once your mind is completely still, allow this word to surface, peace, peace. Invite Jesus into this space. Ask him to surround you with his peace. Allow his peace to overflow from within. Right here, right now, no matter what is happening around you, rest in this place of peace. Maybe this morning you're feeling anxious. Give your worry over to the Father and ask for his peace in return. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you're sitting in unanswered questions about your life or your future, ask God for peace in the waiting. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. If you're feeling chaos and turmoil surround you, ask the Lord to shelter and protect you with his peaceful, powerful presence. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage because I have overcome the world. With each breath we take, may we breathe in the peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace you freely give us. As we remain in you, we ask for your abundant peace, a peace that will remain no matter the day, no matter the storm, no matter what is upon the horizon. May we be peace and bear it always. And Jesus said to his children, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you.